So here's the question. How do active people in the Atlanta area stay pain-free and live the active, fulfilled life that they deserve at any age? This is the question, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Danny Matei, and welcome to the Active Atlanta Podcast. The Active Atlanta Podcast is sponsored by Athletes Potential. At Athletes Potential, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active doing the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better for life. Head to athletespotential.com to learn how we can help you stay active for life today. Hey, what is up, everyone, and welcome back to the Active Atlanta podcast. Uh, today, I am super excited to talk about um, a topic that is very important to not just what uh, I do in the clinic, but what our coach, uh, Coach Joe, does uh, when training as well. And it's a topic that I think can be pervasive in really just about any aspect of life. Um, it is a uh, really interesting take, I guess you can say, on uh, meditation, and it is stoicism. And it is, um, guys, I'm really excited to talk about this. It's all about handling emotions, being present in the moment. And uh, Joe and I have ironically both been taking a deep dive into this topic. Um, so without further ado, Joe, welcome to back to the show, my man. What's up, man? No, it's, it's fun to chat. And, um, you know, even more than, I think stoicism is interesting. I stumbled upon it. Um, you know, we're all managing COVID still, right? You know, yeah. no one, no one would have thought in March of last year that we or this year that we'd still be in it, but we are. And uh, I've had some mechanisms to manage the stress, like everybody else. And one of them that I found is the best button to push has been meditation. And honestly, um, through a meditation app, I stumbled upon a modern day philosopher named Bill Irvine or William Irvine, and. Uh, mm -hmm stoicism it's just to me i was like oh finally i don't have to tell people that i'm not eating granola i can just tell them i'm i'm practically developing a philosophy of life and i just think it's super practical and i think when you play with some of this stuff in stoicism you can be cheeky and call yourself a modern day philosopher but you can honestly impact your state in the greatest way and just get on with it you know i love it Dude, yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Like when you start um, taking a little bit of a deep dive into, or not, it doesn't it doesn't really have to be that deep a dive, but just a little bit of a conscious control of your emotional state and how you and take a step back and um, kind of appreciate how you can handle a situation, um, regardless of how big or small, it can truly be. Um, I hesitate to say life altering. It's not that it's, you know. I don't want to be that dramatic, I guess, but it can be a game changer yeah. for sure in terms of how you handle stresses throughout a bunch of different aspects of life. Yeah, and I think the managing stress is important because we, we have to manage it differently than any other, I think, version of humans that have been around, right? Yeah. You know, we, we, don't have, we don't have death stress in terms of like cheetahs and big critters <laughs> coming after us or, yeah. you know, wayward tribes wanting to take our resources. But we have this chronic stress that's obviously getting us. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's a... I don't think there's a metric that wouldn't say that we aren't chronically ill oh to my some gosh. degree of the species right now. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. And you can pick up just about any book on any disease and they're going to talk about stress. You know, like I remember yep. the first time this concept really, I mean, everyone kind of understands what stress is and, and uh, 
But you know, when I first started like, like learning a little bit more about this low level stress that can cause like lifelong uh, issues is when I was actually reading uh, The Brain Maker by uh, David Perlmutter and talking all about like gut health and stuff. And mm. you know, I was like 20, what, 23, 24. So truly, I mean, I may be stressed out from like some like tests coming up, but never like didn't have the opportunity, I guess you can call it to be to feel the stresses that can come from being an adult in the real world. Right. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> or a real conflict. Yeah. Or a true conflict. End it all. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or, or yeah. And, and, uh, it, it's true. Like it, now that I've had a little bit of opportunities, I don't have any kids yet. So there isn't, I haven't had that stressor yet, which I've been told is a big one. Um, but, uh, you know, wife and I, we've moved, moved States a couple of times, you know, we've, we've bought a house, we've had some car issues, like, um, you know, job and, and, um, not finance issues, but just finance conversations and like, um, different things that weigh in your mind every day. And, you can feel that low level of stress and it's, and having techniques of trying to figure out like, um, how to, how to, not how to, not how to ignore it. Because I think that's a, I think that's a fallacy that people fall into all the time is yeah. uh, it reminds me a ton of uh, what's that Disney movie. Um, that's all about emotions. Um, I, uh, Pixar Disney. That's uh um, Pixar. Yeah. Um, with the colors, the, and yeah. in their, in their, the people are living in the brain. Yeah, my wife would be so mad or she'd be so, so disappointed if I don't remember the name of this movie. But um, I thought that movie was brilliant because it's totally true. It'll come man. up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's totally true. Like you can't ignore certain emotional states or certain feelings, but how do you manage and, and move on from them and, and be okay with certain states? And um, I just think the more education you can give yourself on that topic, the better off you're going to be. And I think um, a stoic mindset or, or calling yourself a modern day philosopher of stoicism is one of the best ways you can do that. In my personal opinion, the, you know, the, the, fl the flick is called inside out. We got it. Um, oh, inside out. There we go. <laughs> yeah. But you know, and I, I think that, I think that's, what's important too. Like two things. I think that stress is maybe at a high because things have been going really well for us as a society. Yeah. Generally, I think if you're here, you're top 1%, you're doing really well, no matter what's going on, there's probably billions of people in the world who would want to trade places with you. And yeah. honestly, that, that elicits a, a, a stoic technique right now. And one of those techniques is you're living the dream life. Yep. So I, I find that the, you know, playing that game that, oh, someone would rather be in my spot than me be in their spot, that's stoic training right there. And mm -hmm. the real gauge behind the philosophy and the real gauge between the Jedi mind trick that you're trying to play with yourself when you practice the stoic stuff is to convince yourself to want what you already have, yeah. to, 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 get, to be content with your life and to look for tranquility and to, to generate techniques and philosophies around promoting that and i think that gives you a cool compass which which the, you know the the source that i come across this william irvine guy he says how many people today actually have a philosophy of life you know no one ever goes through that to say we right. might have guiding principles and we might have things that we want to accomplish but do you really have an idea of what really matters to you and then center your decision making around those. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, I, this is one of the first times, you know, approaching 40 years old where, where I've really sat down and started to think about it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And start to decide what to do. And it's, it's brought up some interesting conversations with me and my wife. It's, it's helped me manage the stress of COVID and, um, 
you know, to kind of what I thought would be cool to do with this podcast was in a similar way, what I just kind of was doing was bringing up that you're living the dream life meditation is to just, I don't know, chat about some of the techniques and show that they, they can really help. And even, yeah. even with this COVID situation and, and what's going on right now, I really do think that I am living a bit of a dream life. It's working out. You know what I mean? Like despite all the craziness, um, I still get to teach what I want. Uh, I still get to work with who I want. I get to train great athletes and mm -hmm. When I get ho-hummy and <laughs> feel overly stressed, I'll take a minute. And I think what's also cool about stoicism is it's not a matter of sitting down for 20 minutes and contemplating your breath. It's practical strategy. So when you yeah. are stressed, what's stressing me out right now? Oh, it's, I have to work remotely. Well, then you take a step back and realize, well, working remotely is better than not working at all. Yeah. So I'm doing pretty good, right? Yeah. So. So one of the meditation techniques is uh, this living your dream life and understanding that not only are you probably living your dream life, but you're probably living the dream life that somebody else would love to have. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, and that's super important. It's, it's tough not to fall into this trap of, of comparison, right? Yeah, that's right. Especially, especially in the world of social media, man, when you get the highlight reel of everybody's life and then... Uh, you're constantly comparing your daily life to somebody else's highlights. Um, it's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> it, it's not, yeah, it's right. not going to be good. And, and, and you're stressing yourself out um, over, um, not fake by any means, but over, over, a, over like a facade that's not accurate, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and then they also say some of these philosophers, you know, and you can go, that's what's also cool. Uh, this guy, uh, William Irvine, does a great job of discussing how these ancient philosophies can be brought into today. And a lot of these guys were just trying to convince folks that, you know, generally what gets you upset isn't even the thing that happened. It's you thinking about the thing that happened. Mm -hmm. So you have to get over that. And, and then that's again, where these, these thought, these little thought games or experiments can come about. Um, and I also thought that it would be fun to maybe roll through some of these and decide that, we can apply them directly to training to help people get more fit or appreciate their fitness or um, manage the swings of training too. So I don't know. I just think there's lots of avenues to apply it. And without even taking it seriously and becoming a stoic philosopher, you can steal and cherry pick what you like in a practical yeah. way. I love just, it. To do awesome things and to sure. limit stress and enjoy more. Yeah. What, okay. So let's do this. What are your, what are your top three favorite techniques that you've learned so far? Okay. Um, negative visualization is super important. Okay. Um, and I think what's important about it is again, one of the reasons I think that we're overstressed right now is because things have been going really well. And when things are really well, you always expect them to go well. Right. So in the same way that, our immune system gets strong by being exposed to bad things appropriately. It gets stronger. Same thing with our mind. If yeah. you can, if you can proactively run through a negative visualization and say, Hmm, you know, as much as it isn't likely my kids could have a really bad accident and be taken away from me. Right. Yeah. If you play with that in your mind and play that out, you prepare yourself for negative things. You build up an emotional immunity. And I also think the other side effect is you appreciate the kids more. Knowing that they could be taken away from you at any moment, when you do have time with them, 
you'll play catch. You'll play the piano with them. You'll yeah. appreciate the time with them. So the negative visualization, I think, is super important to play with. And yeah. it, 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 it makes you appreciate things. It builds up immunities. And, um, you know, listen, how many times have you been in a negative cycle of thought and you go stop thinking about that and you can't? Yeah. Well, I, so, so play it out. Play yeah. it out, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> For sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, don't think about pink elephants. And what's the first thing? Yeah. That's pink elephants, right. right? Yeah. It's, it's dumb to try to get yourself to not think about the negative outcomes or the bad outcomes because it is. So I love that idea of playing it out. And I think what's important or excessively important there is, um, you, you know, you're not trying to play the woe is me card when you do this negative visualization, yeah. you know, yeah. like, um, when things are taken. So like, uh, I, I was actually just having this conversation with a patient of mine about her, her dog passed away over Thanksgiving and, um, and the amount of pain that she was feeling from a very important, uh, being and soul from her family being taken away, um, yeah. meant that there was a significant positive impact that that soul made, uh, while it was living and a part of the picture. So, um, you know, it, that's on the tail end, I guess. That's like it's, past, it's beyond the ability to do negative, uh, negative visualization at that point. But to fat, to be able to push yourself in a in a spot like that, but in a in a moment where you can still enjoy the time, like uh, yeah. I think that's huge. Where you're talking about, like, yeah, I'm gonna go play catch, you know, or I'm not, or this email can wait, and I'm gonna go for a walk with my dog, or um, because it's true, all those things will still be there, and it'll be okay. No, and, and I'm with you. And, and to take it a step further, there's one thing that, you know, death is a part of life and we, you have to recognize it. And, you know, one of these things Stoics will, they'll, they'll be charged with not, not enjoying life or being sterile to emotion. I don't think that's what they want to do. A, a Stoic would tell you, you should grieve as normal, as norm, you should grieve the normal amount, deal with it. But then one of the ways to get over the grief of even a lost one through negative visualization is to play out, okay, they've died. Yep. Let's play the game that they're in their next phase of life. Mm -hmm. Do you think that they would want you to grieve beyond a normal situation at the detriment of your own life? So you can play it out in that regard to grief and, and managing yeah. it. And I would tell you too, a great place to take this even with training would be like, you know, do the negative visualization about injury. If you train hard enough and want to be elite enough, you're going to booger yourself up. Mm -hmm. And you might as well play that game in your mind now. What happens if I blow my knee out? What happens if I overreach on a max? What happens if I forget to train? Like, play these things out and prepare yourself for it because things are going to happen. And I think when they do happen, you'll be ready to handle it. You mm -hmm. can, by, by doing negative visualization about training or your life, one place to take the negative visualization is to then have a, have mechanisms in place to fix it. Yeah. Oh, if I get hurt, who do I talk to? If I get hurt, what do I scale workouts by? You, if mm -hmm. you do this in advance, then you don't go, holy crap, I'm hurt. Now I can't do anything because that's not right. true either. Right. Totally true. And you can, you can absolutely tell. And, and to kind of take a spin on that negative visualization, uh, whenever I get somebody in the clinic who's never been hurt before, it is like, first of all, it's weird to me because I had like seven surgeries by the time I was 20 or something like that. But then sure. like, but then um, it, it's mind blowing how detrimental that can be because they've never had to deal with that. They don't, yeah. they haven't had, uh, I guess the forced visualization of what it's like to be, um, to be uh, either an athlete or just in life before and we'll handle adversity. And it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. 
and, 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 and adversity from an entry standpoint. So I love that mindset of when you're, when you're a coach and you're working with, and you're working with your clients, it, it would absolutely behoove you to let, let your clients know, like, cause I guarantee you, I guarantee you've had a conversation just about any coach who would listen to this or any coach that I've worked with. I guarantee somebody's had the conversation with you um, or you've had a conversation with your clients about the client who might be a little afraid of an injury, you know, yeah. or I can't lift that because it's too much and I might hurt myself or, uh, or something along those lines. And to be able to have this, this technique in your back pocket of, okay. And what if it happens? Cause I guess, yeah. cause I guarantee you a muscle, guess what? And in, in our world, musculoskeletal injuries, we can fix those. Those are pretty easy. Yeah, that's right. You know? Like it's not like your heart's exploding. Um, it's not like your, um, you know, your brain throws an aneurysm because you uh, pull calf muscle or you uh, hurt your shoulder. Like those things are normal pieces of just being an active training adult and we'll be able to get you through that. And yeah, it's a great play and to steal, to steal terms from, I think it's Jonathan Haidt, you know, in his coddling of the American mind book, you know, we were, things can be fragile, resilient, and anti-fragile, right? Mm-hmm. So like to develop anti-fragility, you can play these mind games with yourself and do yeah. it proactively. So when it does happen, not only will you be resilient enough to deflect anything negative that happens, you'll come back stronger. And I think that's training and, and, yeah. Um, and, and again, I think that probably any, I, I, any real practicing stoic, whether it's Bill Irvine or, you know, if, if, we, brought Seneca or... back from, if we brought Seneca back from the dead, yeah. they probably say negative visualization is the place to start. Because one, you're going to have negative feelings, bad things are going to happen, and we have to begin to build those, ne- those resiliencies. And I, I'll be honest, I think that that's probably the, one of the reasons you see people freaking out over little things like elections that don't matter or, you know, uh, a disease that may or may not affect you, you know, actually sit down and think about it and then play it out. Don't just avoid it. You know? So, um, that, that's definitely, that's definitely technique one, do it, get into it. I love it, man. I love it. And, uh, you know, just, um, I guess I was doing this before I even knew that it was a thing from something that stressed me out a ton. Um, it stressed me out way more than I thought it would, honestly. It was when um, I first moved away from Ohio down to Mississippi. Um, yeah. and it was, uh, you know, fortunate enough, again, you try to put yourself in a perspective of people would love to be in your shoes, but essentially, uh, and this isn't bragging, it's just that it is what it is. Like, I had too many, opportun- too many job opportunities, you know, like- sure. So I had to turn down good opportunities to a certain degree. And that terrified me. I'd never been in a situation like that. And, uh, but it played it out. Like I had to essentially like play it out with, with a really close uh, colleague of mine of like, what's the worst case scenario of what happens if I, if I take this position or a certain position and yeah. it doesn't work out. And yeah. that helped out a ton. Cause you, cause when, when a situation would come up and you know, unfortunately it wasn't the worst case scenario, I guess that's not the right thing to say, but it wasn't the right fit. But I already played it out in my mind and I was ready to rock and ready to move on and, and uh, move on with the next experience. And it, was, it, it made me actually enjoy my time there a lot better too, instead of constantly worrying like, well, what if I should have done this decision or what if I should have done that? So um, yeah, negative, vis- negative visualization can definitely, it's not a pity party that you throw for yourself. It's a very powerful tool and it can be very powerful in not just every other aspect of your life, but in training in particular as well. So cool. Let's, I, got, I got another one that plays yeah. off negative visualization a bit. We'll, we'll stay on the stoic... Uh, uh, tough, tough train. Yeah. Uh, the last time meditation. So there's the last time meditation is where you actually do something and rather than complain about it, you actually play it out and say, huh, this might be the last time I get to do this. 
Mm -hmm. So uh, in modern life, me and my kiddos, we'd go out hiking with the wife and every 20 feet, let's take a picture. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> oh, let's take this picture. Oh, do this. Pause that. <laughs> go here. And you know, we used to all give her a hard time. Mm -hmm. No, mom, let's enjoy the damn hike. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> even the kids, even the kids without me were pushing her. So, you know, yeah. and honestly, it used to make going places with the wife not fun. Like, because sure. we would just dread yeah. her taking her phone out. But then I, I actually started using this one. And I was like, you know what? If this is the last picture she takes, I want to be smiling my ass off. I yeah. want to have a good time. <laughs> and let's play it out that way. And it turned what was a negative deal between me and her, very almost arguing on hikes, to now it doesn't bother me anymore. So yeah. it's super practical. It's actually a more it's, – it's not as – it's not as tough to deal with as the negative visualization, but it's a fun little game to play to get yeah. you to appreciate a moment as opposed to, you know, being, being worked up over it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause again, like that's, and it's really interesting that you say that cause it, it seems so silly to talk about. Cause I, I can feel it. Like I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, uh, when I was in PT school, man, I swear every girl wanted to take a picture of like everybody, every 20 seconds. I was like, yeah. can we not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, can we just like talk, you know, have a, have a, have a fun time anyway. Um, but when you take a step back and you're like, what if this is the last time I get to go yeah. out with all my buddies like, right. and enjoy my time with people? Like it makes it feels like such a small thing that you're getting worked up about. And that's true yep. in most situations, you know? Yeah. And I think you can take that same philosophy and use it not necessarily as a motivation trick, but, uh, I guess you can kind of think of it that way, but same thing with training, you know, where, um, if you think about the worst exercise, so I don't know, not the worst, but think about something like, all right, say you're running. Yeah, Let's just running. say running for sure. <laughs> that's, a, that's an easy one. Yeah, running or burpees or something like that. But what if this is the last time you get to run? You're probably right. gonna, you're gonna fucking love that run, you know? Like, right. you absolutely would. And that's a real life scenario, you know? Like, you could be in a car accident the next day and have a leg taken away from you. And now you can- Wouldn't you love to run? Yeah, that's exactly like nothing right. more than to run in that period after that moment of time. So, um, it really can, it's a mind Jedi trick that you can use to make an, an, an activity that's not your favorite and make it at least it's somewhat enjoyable in the moment. Yep. And, and to me, even like, um, you know, I've talked about before and hopefully people don't, you know, I'm in the midst of my hunting season just ended. Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. even though I didn't, even though I didn't harvest the elk that I wanted, <laughs> I was I didn't get deer, elk. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't happen. But you know, this year I can look back on my season and say, you know, I had five camping trips mm -hmm. that were a blast, great fellowship. I got to sleep outside. I learned some, a couple things. So if this is my last hunting season, I would also look at it from this way. Like, how do I want to remember it? Did I do yeah. these things the right way? So no, it's, you know, and it, it's a great way to even put a positive to something that might not be, have turned out the way you wanted. You know what I mean? Sure. So, um, and, sure. and again, I would, again, taking it to training, I would definitely do that. If you hate a movement, maybe it's the last time you'll do it. So give yeah. it your all. You know, if this is the last workout you're going to do, get, get after it. It's just the last meeting you're going to have with a coach, you know, go for it. Maybe this will also be the last time you do twist your ankle, right? Yeah. So you can even take it that way. You know, yeah. um, how do I look back on that lesson and then maybe proactively avoid it too? How do I yeah. avoid? So the, the, the positive spin on the last time meditation is then you can put that in your mind and then say, well, how do I now be proactive to make sure 
that this isn't the last time. So mm -hmm. that's where going back to running, I know I'm not going to be able to get a run in if I don't get it in the morning. The afternoons are just so crazy. So it's incentive to get up and do it. It's, yeah. it's the incentive to make sure it's not my last, to make sure that I carve out the time. So, you know, it's not only just something you have to do reactively. You can apply it to set up things proactively. So I, I, I love it. I don't think there's any downside to, to the last time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, um, I think you're spot on. And I love the, I love the idea of taking it as a, from a proactive standpoint it can help you not hit that snooze button quite so many times. Um, especially if you're trying to work out in the morning. Yeah, for sure. Everybody has it. I had a, I had a roommate one one time who had like, man, I don't know. He had to have had like 12 alarms set and it had to be like every minute. I'm like, dude, just running around the room. <laughs> yeah. Just like get up, man. Like at that point, like now you're just fighting it. Like <laughs> there's no way you're sleeping well in those 30 seconds you have between, uh, between, um, alarms anyway. Um, but I do have a question for you. What is so hard about hunting, like getting an elk? What is it about elk that makes that such a evading task for you? Um, well, I do all my, all my hunting's on public land, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so one, with public land, there's a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. And two, you know, elk are, elk are super resilient critters. They're hard to find. Um, and it's just really hard. They're in really yeah. tough places. Um, they're hard to find. Um, and with the pressure, it's, it's, and, and I'm honestly too going at it the hardest way. If I would have, if I would have been a rifle hunter this year, I would have killed 129 elk, like okay. many, many, many elk. But, um, you know, for example, like, uh, two weekends ago, I had, I had two dead to rights, 180 yards from me, you mm -hmm. know, but I want to do it with a bow, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Cause, cause I like the archery side of it, you know what I mean? Yeah. We're just not in a place for guns right now. So it's, it's, it's a combination of things. It's my method of take. It's the animal is very, you know, and for example, like now let's talk about pressure. Mm -hmm. The last hunt, we, there was fresh sign everywhere, but these animals have gone really nocturnal in these public land spots. So okay. yeah, we were finding fresh sign everywhere, but they're out at night when we're not allowed to hunt them. So right. our only shots that we could get were at first light and last light. So literally in the course of a day where the sun comes up at seven fifty and goes down at four twenty nine, we probably had about six minutes of opportunity and wow. that really limits your chance. Right. Yeah. And then early season when we were into wild herds and I saw hundreds of elk, we just couldn't close the distance from mm. that hundred yards to 50 yards to do the shot. So uh, look up elk man it's hard and the guys I, do, I bet fit. i bet fit, you're smart it ain't elmer foot out there i'm gonna tell you right now so <laughs> are they are they are they like intelligent um yeah they're, they're, they're like a good, I would smell, say good eyesight what are they yeah Which, i would say um you know i don't want to give these animals intelligence or consciousness that they you know i don't want to anthropomorphize them but sure. it's a great word they they have an ability and most animals do to really trust their instincts and they know their environment really well. Okay. Um, so when they, 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 they play the wind really well, their sense of smell is incredible. So oh, when okay. they wind, when yeah. they wind you, they're gone and they play that really well. So they use the wind to navigate. Yeah. And then in terms of eyesight, you know, they, they're really good at edge detection. So they might not see color very well. And camo can do really well, but they're going to pick up any movement. So there are some superpowers. Oh, and, 
Yeah. And their senses, you know, yeah. again, modern humans have really shitty senses. Yeah. We don't hear well. We don't see well. We yeah. definitely don't smell things. You know what I mean? <laughs> People can barely um, use their nose, man. <laughs> yeah. And they're on it. They'll, any little difference, they, yeah. they'll, they'll pick it up. So it's just, it's a fun challenge. Um, and I like talking about it. So yeah. thanks for asking that question. Dude, of course, <laughs> man. I think, uh, you know, I, I'm not a huge hunter by, by any means. Um, my brother, here's what's funny. My brother and I, we literally grew up in like the exact same household. My parents aren't divorced or anything like that. We've grown up literally in the, our bedroom's face are on the opposite ends of the hall. Like our doors opened up towards each other, right? And mm-hmm. he has somehow picked up some like Southern twang to his voice. Right. Um, and, and he did it even in like high school, middle school. And um I clearly do not. Um, at least I don't think so. People say it sounds like I'm from the from the north when I when I tell them I'm from Ohio. So I don't you're know Cincinnati, Cincinnati. I'm from uh, Columbus, Columbus. Okay. Well, Cincinnati. isn't like Ohio because I have family from Cincinnati, and I always mm-hmm. thought Ohio had a southern feel in certain parts. A lot of you know people are in a NASCAR out there. Cincinnati's you know, got a little uh, bit of a southern feel to it for sure. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I know. I think it's different. It's like uh, there's def- it's like country versus uh, southern. You know, like <laughs> I hear you. No, that's a good distinction. I like it. Yeah, very good. And uh, my brother, he always called me a city slicker. I'm like, dude, technically my window faces the woods, so I'm yeah <laughs> I'm facing the city. Like, <laughs> but he's really into hunting. And I remember like the the closest experience I ever got to hunting. Oh man, it was a bad one too. But uh, he got this massive deer. He was trying to track it, couldn't find it, called me of all people to try to help him out. Mm. I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll come help you track this deer. And that part was actually kind of interesting. You know, um, you know, you were, tr- you're, you could truly track it from like different like blood stains and everything as it was. Oh yeah. That's hard. Yeah. But then like, uh, you know, I don't want to get too graphic or anything for, for people who may have a little bit of a sense of stomach to that, but like, um, it took, once we found it, it took a minute for like the, the closing event to happen, I guess, you know? And like, it was, it was, it was no bueno for, what, for to, a lot of to field dress it. Yeah, exactly. It was, uh, it was crazy. And to know that my brother, here's, here's what's nice about it. Now, my brother loves to hunt. I'm indifferent about it. Like I don't really want to do it, but he, I get all the benefits of hunting, I guess. Other than like the actual experience, like, um, he, he'll, he'll cook me up some jerky whenever he gets a deer, he'll give me some deer burgers, like some, some nice venison. And, uh, and he's perfected the art of, of, um, like dehydrating like for like deer jerky um as he oh, very cool on. yeah so um i get all that well, that's that's the other part about it you can be yeah. so most hunters i know are generous they're always giving away their the meat i think it's for the sure. best source of meat um yeah and we don't want to turn this into a hunt podcast but there's just <laughs> there's lots of benefit to it you know it's just again yeah. it's helped me also cater training a little bit to fit my life rather than always screwing up my life at the expense of training you know what i mean so yeah you know yeah. Uh, find your local hunter ask him questions and go sit in the woods too and again i'll say this what an opportunity to practice stoic training right so <laughs> one of the things you can do with stoic training and this mm-hmm. is this is beyond meditation this is something to actually do to build resiliencies and anti-fragility where when you practice stoic training you do things like purposely forget your jacket on a cold day mm-hmm. go hungry um a lot of these stoic, you know, stoics were different than cynics, where cynics would actually live impoverished lives mm-hmm. to appreciate real life. Mm-hmm. Stoics would, they, a lot of them were wealthy, but they would do things from time to time. Like I forget there was one, I forget his name, one stoic philosopher, when it was the trend to wear purple, mm-hmm. he would wear light purple just to be different, to force himself in awkward situations. So yeah. 
hunting's a great place to practice stoic training. You know, get cold, get outside, do things the hard way. You can, because I started training to hunt, I started doing more like strongman style lifts that were more mm -hmm. awkward strength builders. So yeah. um, even within your hobbies, I think there's an opportunity to kind of live that Spartan lifestyle, right? Yeah. And, and do things with a stoic mentality. For sure, dude. And there's one I've gotten so soft to the cold; it's ridiculous. I, you know, growing up, yeah, in Ohio, that's right. Yeah, I remember like, uh, you know, it'd be in dead of winter, be and could you get a lot of wind? It's not just cold; like, you know, it'll get kind of cold here, kind of. You know, not like to your bone cold down here, uh, but like you don't get the like the months of just wet, gray, cold that can happen in the Midwest and yeah, or the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> yeah, and um. <laughs> But I remember up in Ohio, like during those months, man, it was not uncommon for me to like, just be in my workout gear. Like I'd have my shorts and my training shoes on and just throw on like a hoodie or something. And, uh, cause I knew like, I'll be cold for a little bit, but you know, I'll be in the gym here soon. Um, I'll get now, over it. Yeah. And you're over. And now, man, I went up there for Thanksgiving and I was cold all damn week long. Like, and I could, <laughs> I was like, I feel like such a baby right now. It was crazy. <laughs> and you, and you are, you're a baby. For but sure. The cool part about training or any training you know, we can, we can fix it. You can write yeah. the ship in any direction you want. You know what yeah. I mean? So, sure. um, on that uh, note, what's, what's your third technique? Do you have a, do you have a third that your third strategy that you really enjoy? Yeah. And this one is one that people won't know about. Okay. This is actually, they, they might, let me see. Okay. I'll say the name of it. It's probably the most, it's probably the most, okay. Uh, prospective retrospection. Do you know what that might be? <sighs> prospective retrospection this is my favorite one and it's the coolest one and it's it's actually has a great place considering it's the holiday season so i'll give you a hint on that there's a tie to this technique and the movie the christmas story how about that Ooh, um i don't, I don't know should i imagine three ghosts coming and getting me or what ah no, Christmas Story is the one with the kid who wants the rifle. Remember, he wants the shotgun. He wants the he wants the BB gun, not oh. a Christmas Carol. Oh yeah, you're right, man. I'm really so, down with movie tales. Anyway, so, I don't so what know. we do with prospective retrospection is, you know, nostalgia is like looking back on a past event and going, man, that was really cool, even though it was hard. Yeah. What you do with prospective retrospection is you look at a current event that sucks mm -hmm. as the good old times later. Huh. So, for example, when I was stuck in the rain on my hunt on Sunday, rather than go, this sucks, it's raining, I went, you know what? Remember that time on the last day of hunting, and as I was walking to the car, in a weird twist of fate, not only did I not get an elk, but it rained on me? <laughs> like, you giggle about it. You, you, you put yeah. some humor to it. Like, you... With this technique, you try to be nostalgic about current events. And one of the things that um, you do is you, you start to tell yourself a story about the current moment and you try to put a positive twist on it, whether that's humorous or a lesson learned to help mm -hmm. you get over a poor circumstance like getting caught in the rain. So um, I think it's a really fun one around the holiday season when we're all looking to be nostalgic yeah. rather than say like, you know, lines on Black Friday suck, you can tell the fun story about whatever happened that day to yourself right now and enjoy the moment. Yeah. Oh, man, that's super interesting. And it's true. Like, because uh, everyone, uh, what, what's the saying? Like, I wish I knew I was in the good old days. I knew, wish I knew I was that's in the it. good old days when the good old boys, when I was in the good old days. Like, yeah, we're yeah. in the good old days right now. 
Yeah, dude, that's that's totally spot on. I think uh, I really like that one. I've never heard of that that technique. Yeah. So, um, so like even now with COVID, like I can you know I can conjure up the good old days moment about COVID. Like yeah, it's been tough, but you know I've really enjoyed being at home with my kids and teaching them. And I can I can see how in ten years when we're all talking about how they're graduating college and coming to high school, like you know what I have something to do with that. Remember those? <laughs> remember that time that year? Daddy had to be your homeschooler, right? So you can see it. You can find those moments. Like, I know COVID sucks and it's tough, but I've spent more time with family. I bet if you really thought about it, there's a, there's a good old days moment within the current shitstorm we're in, right? So, 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 so figure it out. Work through it, you know? Oh, for sure. You know, I think, uh, yeah, and you can take that. Um, you can take that into training as well. I mean, a, a really good example. Uh, this isn't necessarily training from a weight room perspective, but um, it's kind of along these lights. But it's a little bit more, I guess, just like looking back on times. But like football was one of the most like horrible but awesome things to ever happen to me. You know, uh, or just to most people, really. Like, I don't think you could talk to any football player, professional, amateur. Uh, you know, first timer, it doesn't matter. Uh, they hate football practice. Nobody like, no loves, one likes football practice. <laughs> yeah. Nobody loves football practice. Um, yeah. But then you, but then when you look back on times, like you know, a lot of times, like, sure. You're thinking about games, but you're thinking about like stupid stuff that happens like during practice too. And those are, those are the moments. And those are when you like grow together as a team and grow together, grow your brotherhood. Like some of my best friends still to this day are people that I played football with, played a lot of sports with, but I contribute a lot of that to like, those tougher times that you go through. So if you want to constantly just take it as like a tough time, like um, the, per, the perspective retrospection of something like COVID is, it, you know, like an, another example of that, my wife and I, we don't have any kids, but man, we've had to learn how to get together or get along together a lot more <laughs> recently, you know, like, um, and, and we're going to miss, and you, I can project out in 10, 20 years, like, Hey, remember that, remember that year where we got to spend like every day, all day together? Yeah, that's right. You know, like that's going to be, that's going to be a unique time to have. Well, and what's, and to spin on the holidays deal, um, you know, I was home, I was home for a funeral recently and, uh, yeah, you know, I got to seeing all my cousins and I didn't realize how much I missed them. So I was getting super nostalgic about them. And then when I had gotten home and was remembering all our big Christmas parties, I was like, I'm going to use the current day circumstances to sort this out. So I had set up using one of my online teaching tools called Kahoot. Um, I'm setting up an online Zoom trivia night um, with my family about the movie Elf. And, you know, we're going to get together on Zoom on Friday. It's set up and we're going to drink Bailey's and Jameson and we're going to do Elf trivia. And we're going to find a way to have a blast, right? And create one of these deals. So, I don't know, man. I, I, one thing that with this whole stoicism route, and it's been pretty new to me the last two months, really trying to apply it, it, it just forces you to find the positive outlook. And whether that's yeah. like looking at football camp as Groundhog Day and a blast about that or trying to make yeah. the best of a weird deal. I mean, look, the proof's in the pudding, I think, with that technique. I mean, yeah. the, the real fun that you've ever had and the real moments that you've appreciated, and I would – I'll make this generalization because I know it to be true to myself that it's the hard times like football camp and road trips and changing tires that for some reason you remember getting through those hard moments more than, you know, riding roller coasters. So it's just that it's, it's those, it's those tough moments. You know, like it reminds me a lot of this book called the power of moments. 
And they went through and they, um, and for example, like uh, this book talks about all about how our memories that we don't remember like mundane events or we don't remember mundane things or everyday occurrences. Uh, but remember the highs and the lows and we draw emotional attachments to those points. Sure. And like, um, so a great example that they gave in the book would be Walt Disney world where they went through and they surveyed thousands of people throughout the day. Like they would just get a text message and they just had to respond back with a number. Right. So say it's, eight o'clock in the morning, you're getting the kids ready. Everyone's, it's kind of chaotic and you're trying to get to the park. There's a lot of excitement in the air. So you rate that moment, maybe a six out of 10, right? Or seven out of 10. And then you get to the park, everyone's excited. Like, you know, you see the doors and like the, you know, Mickey Minnie Mouse are running around everywhere. So like, you know, the kids are having a great, like they're starstruck. So you rate that moment a 10 out of 10. And then they hit you again with the survey and you're in the middle of line. It's hot. It's, you know, central Florida in the summertime. Why did you come to the Walt Disney world in August? Nobody <laughs> knows, but like uh, the kids are crying because they're hot and uncomfortable. So you rate the moment a three out of 10. And then uh, they rate it again to give some other thing and it's a four out of 10. But then when they go back, so they never really truly hit that 10 out of 10 moment, right? But when constantly, like six months later, they would hit them up again. Like, how would you rate your Disney World or your Disney uh, trip experience, right? And it would always rate it as a 10 out of 10. We loved it. Yeah, yeah we right. loved it. And like, I'm sure if they went back, they would talk, like the husband and wife would probably be able to draw some funny story about how when the kids were crying, they, like it was so uncomfortable. But like, that's a moment that you remember because it cues you into like the smells are probably, the smells are a lot more prevalent in that situation. Like the sights, the sounds, like um, what you, what you remember in that situation is a lot more um, vivid. And that's what our memories hang on to versus um, you know, maybe something that was pretty cool, but it was just like anticipated, like you're walking around. It's like, yeah, this thing looks, this looks pretty cool. But like you weren't queuing in or like, that wasn't a, that wasn't enough for your, for your, uh, like your brain, like your hippocampus to make sure that you could actually have a, a sound memory to that. So this is almost kind of creating that for you. And the, both the, you tell the story, you, you, yeah. why, why do we have to wait 10 years later to appreciate a moment? Like, yeah. and here, that's the fact we don't like, you don't. You can play mm-hmm. these tricks and you can, you can call them tricks. You can play these mind games. You can do these little mini meditations at any point in the day, right? Yeah. And, and you, can, you, can, you can sort yourself out to appreciate what's happening right now rather than yearning for something that has happened or something that may or may not happen. You can place yeah. yourself in the present. And, you know, I, I like this perspective because it's practical, but it also aligns well with a lot of Buddhist principles, mm-hmm. you know, you can apply it during your woo-woo moments where you sit down and do meditate. Um, yeah. And honestly, one of the best things is doing a bedtime meditation from a practical standpoint. For me, my mind is super active. So I can't just sit there and count my, I'll count sheep until <laughs> they're counted. Yeah. But what's better for me is to retrace my day. And kind yeah. of pat myself on the back for accomplishments. Because if I don't do that, I generally, like last night, it took me about 90 minutes to fall asleep. I had to keep resetting my routine because while I would lay in bed, I was rehearsing a negative experience with, with a coworker. And I just kept replaying this in my mind. And I'm like, I can't control that memory. I can't change that moment. What am I doing right now? So I would keep trying to reset. And until I got into my routine where before I went to sleep, I started rehearsing the good things I had done, I just couldn't go to sleep peacefully. So um, I like it, it's that. just, it's wild stuff, man. It, yeah. It's crazy that it works. It's crazy that people are reluctant to try something that's for free, but maybe if we talk about it enough, they'll do it. I don't know. <laughs> and, you can, and then real quick, you can take that out. You can take that philosophy, that third principle of prospective retrospection and apply it to training. Yeah. And here's, and here's a great example. Go for it. Everybody is always chasing how in shape they used to be. 
right? Yeah, yeah. And you never truly, and you, I don't think enough people take take enough time to appreciate how in shape or how much they're, or how well they're doing now, you know? Um, because in, in the moment, you're always chasing that next goal. And not only are you always chasing that next goal, but then you're always kind of comparing it to where you used to be, right? But like 10 years down the road, you're going to be comparing to where you were 10 years ago, like where you're at in this present moment. So being able to project yourself out in that standpoint and appreciate where you're at in your training and how hard you work anymore, how, you, how hard you're working currently, um, it can go a long way in terms of making you enjoy that process a little bit better. Yeah, so we could tell that story. Be like, hey, you remember that day it was your birthday and you woke up and you ran three miles <laughs> and it was easy and you ate a good meal, you, you hugged your wife, you kissed your kids on the cheek, and then when they went to school, you had the whole day off to go train jujitsu <laughs> and you tapped a couple people out. Because it was in the middle of COVID. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Like you can do that. You can tell that story. Like tell the story of your life right now and find the way to make the twist. No, I love it. I think, I, yeah. and I love that spin that you're never going to be as in shape as you are now kind of deal and just yeah. kind of pat yourself on the back for it. But yeah. then realize, hey, guess what? Maybe I could be if I do a little more mm-hmm. or a little better tomorrow. And you can keep doing that. And that's, would that, would that be a positive loop, a positive feedback loop? or I think you just take it and make it just a, just a feedback loop at that point. Like you're just giving yourself yeah. some, uh, something to think about because uh, that's the whole point of, the, of, of being a stoic, right? You don't want to get too high or too low on yourself either. So. <laughs> well, and, and, and I'll, I'll end the chat with a cool quote. So, you know, these are rooted in like ancient philosophies mm-hmm. and these ancient schools. And one of the big ones is, uh, is Seneca. And my favorite quote, of all these Stoics, whether, you know, you're looking at like Marcus uh, Aurelius or uh, uh, Plato, Socrates, all these guys that's rooted in it, but Seneca has my favorite quote and it goes, uh, and I think it gets it to the root of what we're trying to do. Rather than pat yourself on the back all the time and like give yourself credit for your emotions or letting your emotions run your life. Mm-hmm. I love this quote. He goes, uh, if we coddle ourselves if we allow ourselves to be corrupted by pleasure, nothing will seem bearable to us. The reason things will seem unbearable is not because they are hard, but because we are soft. So again, I think by practicing these techniques that might look on the downside of things, you just, you're ready yourself for the inevitable hardship. You, yeah. you practice the hardship before it happens and you're ready when it comes. And, you know, you get past coddling yourself and you get past, you know, even like Van Jones is a, you know, a guy politically I don't align with, but he's got a great quote where he's telling college kids, I don't want you to be safe. I want you to be strong. Yeah. Like, and that's what this is all about. Like, yeah. Practice being strong and uh, get after it. And I think you can, I, I love it, man. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's cool chat. It's fun stuff to get into. And it's a lot better for me to play these mind games than it is to like play the worry game or, yeah. you know, to chase things, things that you can't control can't control or things that I know that are fleeting anyway. You know, you get yeah. the new car, you're going to want the next new car. So yeah. this, this gets you right in the present, gets you enjoying now. So um, give it a go, folks. Absolutely. I love it. And uh, just to kind of wrap things up, you, I love where you said, like, this is training. Like, yeah. this is training for your <laughs> mind, this is training for your body. It's, it's all wrapped up into one, and, and, it can, and they feed back off of each other. So, um, yeah, I love it, man. Thanks so much for, for your time and for your insight. And, and uh, this has been a fun chat. I think this uh, I'm definitely going to take this – 
prospective retrospection and start telling stories, probably to nauseam to my wife uh, over the next few days and, and get some good practice at this. So, <laughs> yeah, and, and too, and if anyone's really interested in really looking at it, um, again, the 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 source that got me into it was uh, Sam Harris's Waking Up app, and then there's the Stoic Path Guided Meditation Series by um, William Irvin, and then his book. Uh, Guide to the Good Life. It's his first book on Stoicism. I'll get his second one after this one, but mm-hmm. it's a great kind of intro to the practice. And yeah. he does a good job of these are the ancients. This is their advice. Here's how you can apply it in modern day. So give it a go. It's worth yeah. the read. Love it, man. Well, Joe, enjoy the rest of your evening. Guys, I hope you got a lot out of this. I know I certainly did. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, Joe. See you, brother. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Athletes Potential and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free in life, head over to athletespotential.com to learn more.